the first letter to the Corinthians um, from Paul. And uh, we're up to chapter 6, so if um, you'd like to follow in, in your Bibles, in the uh, um, Seat Bibles, uh, one, page 1083, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters... Appoint as judges, even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is no one among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother goes to law against another. And this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food. But God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. I think we better pray. Heavenly Father, these are tough words, and Lord, I just pray right now that uh, 
you would use me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say. Lord, help us to understand what you're saying to us today through these words. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes? Would you soften our hearts? Would you open our minds that we might hear from you this morning? That your name would be glorified. Amen. Late one evening in a very busy airport, there was a, a flight just came up on the, uh, on the board saying cancelled. And uh, all the people were in chaos, there were crowds uh, trying to get in to uh, um, find out what was going on and there was one poor uh, assistant behind the desk trying to sort out all this chaos. And through the crowd barged this man very belligerently, and he slapped his ticket down on the desk and said, I have to be on this flight, and it has to be first class. And the the poor assistant behind the desk said, well, I'm sorry, sir, but I've got all these other people to deal. If you just wait in line, then eventually uh, I'll get to you, and I'm sure we can sort something out. Very indignantly, the man said, do you know who I am? And very calmly, the lady took the tannoy mic and said, can I have your attention, please? We have a man here who has lost his identity. <laughs> if anybody's able to help and come, in, come and uh, help him find it, then please come along to gate number 17 now. The place dissolved in uh, hilarity. And whilst uh, everybody was uh, um, really upset at kind of having lost, uh, uh, lost the opportunity to fly home, they weren't angry with the airline at all because they just had a really good laugh at this poor man's expense. But I wonder, who do you think you are? We're going to be asking this question many times as we look at this passage, as we see Paul on several occasions saying, do you not know? Who do you think you are? Well, for a few pounds, you can get one of these DNA tests. I don't know if any of you have uh, have, uh, had one of these. Um, You can uh, send off a a sample of your saliva or something like that and wait a couple of weeks and in the post then comes back uh, an analysis of who you are in your body. Um, So maybe something about your ancestors, um, maybe uh, um, something about your, your medical conditions, Um, It's amazing what they can tell about you now. I wonder if we've got any uh, um, famous ancestors uh, amongst us in the congregation. Has anybody got any uh, um, really famous uh, people they're related to? (laughs) Very good. Did you uh, take a DNA test for that one? Well, it's a shame the crows aren't here because they would have uh, um, no no doubt talked about Russell Crowe. I'm really stretching the point here, but the lady top right, for those of you of a certain age, might remember the TV program How. Do you remember that? How. Yeah. Well, that's Bunty James, 
and apparently she is the second cousin of my grandfather <laughs> on my father's side. It's a long stretch, but um, she's uh, um, you know related to me, which is uh, which is great. But I wonder if you found out that you were related to royalty or somebody really important, would it make a difference to who you thought you were? Would it make a difference to how you acted? Paul says in uh, this letter to Corinthians that absolutely it should make a huge difference who we think we are and what we think we are. So I'm going to make a a slight diversion out into the Psalms for the moment because I just want to share something that just amazes me every time I read it. And this speaks about who we are. Psalm 139, let me just read the verses to you. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I think it's incredible how we're put together. And I'm not uh, a geneticist in any way, but, uh, you know, I understand that uh, hidden in the code of our genes and the DNA strands and how that's uh, all knitted together within our chromosomes, there is the story of who we are. In there, there's the code that says whether we're going to have blonde hair or ginger hair or brown hair or no hair. Um, How tall we're going to be, what color eyes we're going to have. Maybe even something about the kind of dispositions that we might have. Does it not amaze you when you read the Psalm 139, before man ever discovered um, DNA, that the psalmist writes, before I was born, my days were written in your book. And I was knit together, as it were, with these strands of DNA. I just find it incredible. The wonderful creation that we are in God. So if you ask the question, who do you think you are? My first um, answer would be, just think about who we are in the wonderful way that we've been created and put together. But there's more than that. Because we're more than just human beings if we have a relationship with Jesus. Because Romans eight sixteen says... The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Wow. That beats uh, being related to Russell Crowe or uh, Bunty James, doesn't it? We're co-heirs with Jesus himself. So who do you think you are? Look at the wonderful where you've been created, and who do you think you are? Look at the inheritance that we have through having a relationship with Jesus. And so we come to this letter in Corinthians where 
um, Paul challenges the Corinthian church in two ways. And he says that who they think they are should influence, firstly, how they treat one another, and secondly, how they treat themselves. If you remember, looking back to when uh, Jonathan gave us the very first introduction, Corinth um, sits right on this uh, isthmus um, uh, that is uh, part of Greece. So this uh, little uh, uh, piece of land that uh, avoids the main uh, um, uh, toe end of of Greece there becoming an island. And because it was a a land route, it was able to... uh, um, take all kinds of trade and traffic um, through there. It was kind of a hub, a real hub of of trade and of people meeting. And because the storms could sometimes be uh, so uh, um, severe around the south of uh, of that peninsula, often ships would uh, stop off and they would take their goods over the land and then uh, get back on the sea the other side. So it was a a real center of, uh, of trade. And not only that, all the people that came in there brought with them all their bad habits. So it was a a center of uh, quite a lot of uh, um, things that uh, were not according to the way that uh, the church should live. And right on its doorstep, there was uh, a a temple um, to Aphrodite, and uh, there were over a thousand temple prostitutes there that were plying their trade in that land. So it was uh, not a great place to be. And we already saw um, last week how um, Paul had to pull up the church in Corinth for some outrageous behaviors that they weren't uh, challenging. Those outrageous behaviors that had come um, because of the, uh, um, the whole community that they lived in. But we see um, something different now. We now see that Paul is picking the Corinthians up, first of all, for taking each other to court. And he says, come on, is this any way to treat your fellow brothers and sisters? Now, you've got to understand that in this whole kind of melting pot that was in Corinth, it was kind of a, a thing of pride to get one over on somebody by taking them to court and winning an argument and showing that your case was stronger than somebody else's. And the church kind of caught this and they were trying to uh, um, uh, uh, get one over on each other. But it got to crazy, crazy levels where um, they were literally taking each other to court outside of the church for things that were going on inside of the church. And Paul kind of picked them up on three things that I'd like to take to. First of all, if you look in verse 2, um, Paul's referring to the fact that these are just trivial disagreements. And he's saying, come on, guys. Why are you engaging in these stupid, trivial disagreements? What's the point? This is not how Jesus taught us to be. Now, Jesus taught that uh, you should uh, nurture the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, 
there is no law. So love one another. Be patient with one another. You know, because small disagreements can so easily turn into big disagreements. We have a saying in our family that when we, uh, um, you know, start to uh, um, maybe uh, have a few play fights and, uh, or maybe a few play arguments, sometimes, as you know, things can get a little bit out of hand. And we have a saying that, mm, stop it, this is how wars start. Right? Because from little things, big things can come. And Paul's warning, stop fighting over these little things. I've uh, um, got first-hand experience of this. Um, Unfortunately, I once received a letter to say that I was going to get taken to court for not paying a bill. Now, I knew I'd paid the bill. And I was uh, uh, adamant that, uh, um, you know, I was right. But you know what? The minute I got that letter the whole kind of conversation about, yes, I've paid the bill, no, you haven't, went to a whole new level. Yeah? All of a sudden, there were uh, threats of bailiffs going to come round. Now, fortunately, I managed to keep a copy of the receipt, the electronic receipt that I had paid the bill. And uh, fortunately, as soon as I was able to produce that, the whole thing uh, dissolved. In fact, as a, it was turned out well, because as a, an apology, I got a donation for rebuild from the uh, <laughs> from the company that was claiming the money. So it all worked out in the well, uh, well in the end. But it just goes to show how quickly things can escalate, apparently out of control. And Paul's saying, don't let these trivial things um, escalate out of control. Because that's how wars start. And he's saying that, you know, if we have broken relationships in the church, that hinders our relationship with God. If we forget who we are in the way we treat others, then actually we forget how we're to approach God. And then he goes on to say, Don't air your dirty laundry in public. Sorry for that disturbing image. (laughs) But what he's saying is it's it's kind of one thing to have a, a disagreement in church, but when you share that in the outside world and you show to the world that brothers and sisters in Christ can't even get on, that's pretty serious, isn't it? What kind of witness is that to the world? That's no sign of uh, the fruit of the Spirit at all. So don't, whatever you do, air your dirty linen in public. You know, Satan wants to bring disharmony in the church. Don't know if you've uh, kind of realized that or experienced it, but there's nothing more that Satan would like to do than tear down the body of Christ. And a great way to do that is to bring disagreements and make that known to the outside world. I'm sure you are aware that people outside of the church, when they hear of things going on, it goes round like wildfire. Yeah, you're aware of how quickly the rumors get around? We have a duty, because of who we are, to be whiter than white, 
in the things that we portray to the outside world. And he says that actually sometimes it's better just to suck it up and be humble. You know, stand down. Don't, ha- don't try and get your own way. You know, I always find that it's great to um, use that question that often people carry around on, a, on an armband. Uh, you know, what would Jesus do? WWJD. You know, Jesus was accused... But what did he do? He remained silent. Yeah, in Isaiah, it talks about like a, a, a sheep um, before its shearers. He remained silent. He could have defended himself rightly, but he didn't. So sometimes it's better to just let it go. And then thirdly, a thing that perhaps you've been uh, wondering what on earth this is about Paul, in this passage, talks about judging. And should we, uh, should we judge others? And he says, do you not know that actually you'll be judging the earth and judging angels? Did you know that? Well, let's have a look. Matthew 19, 28, Jesus says to them, Truly I tell to you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on your twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And in 2 Timothy 2, 12, it says, If we endure, we will also reign with him. Revelation 24 says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And in this uh, particular passage, the Greek word that uh, is krino means not only to judge, but it means to rule or to govern. And so what Paul's saying here is, do you not know that your destiny is to reign with Christ, to rule with him, and to judge over the nations when he comes again? That's quite some responsibility, isn't it? So he said, you better stop to get it right (laughs) while you're on this earth. Because if you can't be seen to be responsible over small things on earth, how will God put you in responsible of big things? Think about the parable of the talents. So, Paul, got to be clear here, is not saying that there is not a place for courts of law. He's not saying that there will be certain um, situations of maybe abuse or criminal um, activity that we don't have to take to a court of law. Sometimes churches get themselves in all kinds of messes because uh, they try to cover up things of a criminal nature. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the trivial disagreements um, that we can so easily sort out ourselves. So then moving on to the next one. Who do you think you are should influence the way, not just that we treat others, but the way that we treat ourselves? And we have um, this statement in uh, here that is, I don't know if you notice in your Bibles, but it's in quotes. It's Paul effectively quoting um, stuff that he's heard the Corinthians say. 
So they're um, using the argument that, well, um, you know, because we've got freedom in Christ, because we're living under grace, everything's possible for me. I can do anything I want. And in particular, they're relating it to what they do with their bodies because they've kind of drawn this um, almost postmodern view that actually uh, Christian faith is a, is a spiritual experience, one that doesn't have to influence your body, right? Your body is not a spiritual thing. You know, your body will um, die and decay, uh, will be given new bodies, and so um, the, the important thing is our, our spiritual well-being. So the things we do to our body is of little consequence on this earth. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. They're saying, everything is permissible for me, but Paul's saying, ah, but not everything is beneficial. I wonder if there's things um, that you've experienced um, as, uh, as kind of you've, you've grown up that used to be thought of as uh, quite okay, but now we know is not right. We were having a debate in the, in the car yesterday as... Uh, um, we were going to my daughter's uh, uh, 18th birthday party celebration um, at uh, a trampoline place in Cheshire Oaks. And uh, I'm, I can testify that whilst everything is permissible, I tell you, not necessarily beneficial this morning. I'm uh, suffering a bit from a few muscles that I never thought existed. Um, but we were discussing and we were saying, do you know what? It used to be perfectly acceptable to drive around without a seatbelt in your car, right? That's not beneficial at all, is it? I came across this very interesting thing. There used to be toothpaste that was radioactive, made from radium, because it gave your teeth a beautiful shine... And seriously, they used to sell this stuff. Not very beneficial, is it? We know that now. And I guess there's so many things that we can get wise to, and maybe we'll look back on some of the kind of things we do today and say, well, actually, that's not really beneficial to us. I wonder, is it beneficial to spend uh, so many hours on... uh, uh, on smartphones and computers. I wonder if it's really beneficial to bear your soul to the world through social media. I wonder if it's beneficial to drink as much coffee as we do sometimes. Everything's permissible. God doesn't give clear guidelines in his word about uh, things like that. But is it beneficial? And Paul says there's a huge clue to working out what things are really beneficial. And that is, do they end up mastering you? Everything's permissible. Not everything is beneficial. And I will not be mastered by anything, Paul says. I wonder, are there things in your life that are mastering you? Things that are keeping you away from that intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Things that suck your time, that take you away, that distract you from that priority. Certainly the things that the Corinthians were doing fell into that category. 
they were seeing, well, you know, I can eat what I want, I can uh, enjoy sexual relationships with prostitutes as much as I want, because that's just something um, to do with my body. But Paul's saying, "Uh uh-uh. This is keeping you from a relationship with Jesus. And why is that? Well, it's because, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're not just those genes and strands of DNA and chromosomes that have been so wonderfully knitted together by the Creator God. You are the very temple that is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Does that not make a difference to who you are and what you do? I think it does. Because particularly um, going to the, um, the sexual immorality that was going on in Corinth, Paul is saying, when you have sex outside of the loving relationship that God intends in marriage, you're uniting your bodies with a prostitute. And if you are part of the body of Jesus, and if you are part of the bride of Christ... Why would you sully yourself like that? This is a real call to holiness. And in this sexually promiscuous world in which we now live, this is a hard message, isn't it? Because to the world outside, most people say, everything's permissible. Why should I not do this? It's there to enjoy, surely. Well, yeah, it is to enjoy, but in a certain context. God makes that very clear. So don't take your bodies that are meant for a fantastic purpose and spoil them by having sexual relations outside of marriage. Everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial. I think this phrase, my body is a temple, is uh, somewhat abused, isn't it? You know, people will say, oh, my body's a temple, and what they mean by that is, uh, I'm going to watch what I eat, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to stay fit. But it's all very outward, isn't it? It's almost like, my body's a temple, and by the way, I'm worshipping it. What Paul is saying here is your body is a temple, not for you to worship, but for it to be an act of worship, an outward act of worship, so that those around you can see who God is and can see who you are in Christ. So please, don't... uh, misunderstand this and see that your, uh, um, when we look at your body being a temple, it's just about how you look after it. It is, but it's not just about that. Do you know what? If we really recognized who we are, do you not think the church would be a better place? If we really recognized who each of us are in Jesus, we wouldn't have these petty squabbles, would we? We wouldn't have disagreements. We'd understand one another. We'd look out for one another. 
we care for one another. If we've really understood who we are in Jesus, maybe we wouldn't be mastered by some of the things that we are mastered by. I want to show you a video. That's a video to a song. You'll have to excuse some of the... uh, um, kind of applause in the in the background, but it's a it's a beautiful um, renditioning of uh, of a song uh, by Casting Crowns, and it's entitled "Who Am I?" and it really explores who we are in Jesus, and it's all about not what we are, but what He is. It's not about what we've done, but what He's done for us. So watch this.
But because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am the flower queen, fading here today and gone tomorrow. Away across the ocean. So I don't know how you feel about yourself this morning, whether uh, you kind of feel really special and someone, or maybe you, uh, you don't feel so special. But what God wants to say is that you're his. And you're special. He created you very specially. And he wants that relationship with you, and he doesn't want anything to get in the way of that. So remember who you are. Amen.